Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the book of Luke, but before we do, guys, we have Easter coming up, and so I wanted to just ask, like, what are you guys excited for? So around here at Christ Community Church, we have something going on called Stations of the Cross on Thursday evening and then two sessions on Friday. Stations of the Cross is not something we have invented, but we have reimagined it a bit using present-day artists to do the renderings of the Stations of the Cross. And so if you're not familiar with Stations of the Cross, it's 14 scenes from the life of Jesus, those hours leading up to the cross. And so it is a reflective, immersive experience where you are engaging with good artwork. You get a participant guide to go through the stations. There is a a station at the end where you can spend some time in personal prayer and reflection. There's a confession station at the end if you so choose. It's a really, really great experience. And so we are hosting this at the St. Charles campus of our church and our DeKalb campus and specifically at St. Charles this year. Every, every year we commission new sets of artwork, and so they kind of travel around to our different church campuses. This year at the St. Charles campus, uh, Brazilian artist Tiago Magro from Miami flew in to create the 14 stations for us. And so it is beautiful artwork meets reflection and good thinking meets prayer. It is It is really a tremendous experience. So I am looking forward to Thursday evening or Friday, Stations of the Cross. Yeah, Stations of the Cross is fantastic. My uh, my family would always do it when we were growing up. Our church didn't have Stations of the Cross, but we'd go to another local church and do it. It's just, it's really, really, it it gets you ready uh, for Good Friday. Um, And and speaking of Good Friday, uh, we've got our Good Friday services at each of our campuses. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that because... Um, that's, that's one of the weeks uh, or one of the services of the year where we have uh, live teaching at each of our services. So, uh, campus pastors and, and myself, we're going to be teaching and it's, it's always just a really, um, special kind of precious, uh, experience. You know, there's, there's something about, uh, gathering to remember this really holy moment where Jesus laid down his life for us. Um, that's, it's just really, really powerful. Um, the, the the service has uh, beautiful elements in it. Uh, it's often, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, different setup, kind of, you know, stripped down some. We've got some uh, great spoken word poetry that we're going to have uh, in that. Um, that's going to be really, really meaningful. Um, and I'm just looking forward to that because the like time of communion, the time of uh, reflecting on uh, the story we're going to be talking about this week is uh, Jesus talking with the criminal on the cross next to him, which is one of the most... Uh, powerful kind of poignant grace-filled moments right there in the crucifixion. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. Yeah. Good Good Friday service times vary at each of our campuses. So if you're looking for a Good Friday service time, hit the Christ Community website. Yeah, for sure. And Easter then goes the same thing for Easter as well. Uh, I'm super excited about Easter. Just, uh, you know, working alongside of, of the team across all five of our campuses and creating this service uh, was just so fun to see. Uh, just all the collaborative effort go into it. And so super excited for this for the arrangements of the songs that we've got going on, the creative elements. Like you, you mentioned, the spoken word. Uh, that's going to be done by Sharon Irving, which was a finalist on America's Got Talent. And she's doing one for both Good Friday and Easter. 
Um, so just really excited about that and just a lot of dynamic elements happening. So super excited. In addition to, again, this amazing thing that we're celebrating resurrection of Jesus Christ. So come and join us for that. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a reason we do all this stuff because there's something we're celebrating, That's something right. worth making beautiful art and, and having good moments for. So, yeah, we're going to do it. All right, Eric, you are a comma guy. So, why don't you uh, introduce us to the passage we're going to be looking at today? Okay. Luke chapter 21, often referred to as the Olivet Discourse. The heading for this section that we're going to read, which starts at verse 5 and goes all the way through verse 36. You are welcome, Clayton. <laughs> Turnabout's fair play. It's all right. That's right. It says, the destruction of the temple and the signs of the end times. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, there's some questions about this. All right. So uh, verse five, some of Jesus' disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, The time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he. The time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its destruction is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and the fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When when they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch, pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Well, that's a lot. 
There's a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. So observations in this text. What do you guys see? There is a lot of um, seeing and hearing and watching and this time and that time. It's, it's a lot of, um, I feel like there's just a lot of watchfulness being represented here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it is uh, interesting. So, all right. There are some details that are confusing, yeah. right? Like some things that, that uh, when you read this, depending on what your expectations are, you're going to say, what are they talking about? How does this fit? So uh, let, me, let me give the, the biggest one here. Verse 32 says, truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Now, I, I know that the average person who reads this passage, especially when they look at the heading in their, in their Bible that says it's about the signs of the end times, they say, okay, this is something that's going to happen, you know, whenever it happens, like when Jesus comes back or right before that or whatever. Um, but he's talking to a bunch of people in, you know, 33 AD, and they're all dead now, and it hasn't happened yet. If it's about the end times, right? The end of the world hasn't come. So you look at that passage and you say, what do you mean this generation is not going to pass away? So it starts to raise questions about like, what, what is he referring to? Um, and some of the, the other observation of that is um, what the disciples actually asked a question about. So he's answering a question. And the disciples, they didn't ask about the end of the world. They, they, Jesus had said, you know, one day this temple is going to be torn down. And they're like, well, when's that going to happen? And this was Jesus's answer to that. And he ends by saying, and it's going to happen in your lifetime. The problem from that, like if you just take those two verses, you think, oh, it's about the temple being destroyed. The things in between, we don't know how to read. We say, wait a minute. Those sounds like, did that already happen? Like, did that happen when the temple was destroyed? Is that still to come? And it starts to get confusing to figure out what time Jesus is talking about here. What has already happened and what is going to happen. happen. And even the heading in the NIV study Bible that says the destruction of the temple and signs of the end times is an interesting heading because it's insinuating or telling you that there are kind of two conversations going on yep. at the same time. So you ask yourself the question, well, is that current and future is that type true? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so just know the reason we're talking about this passage today is if you get nothing else out of this <laughs> podcast conversation today, there are sometimes there are portions of the Bible that you read and you can read it well, and you can use the comma method, context, observation, message, meditation, application. You can do all the right things. Use the study notes. Look at the cross-reference links. And still sometimes, good, smart, spirit-filled, Christ-following people have different conclusions. And so scholars sometimes struggle with this text or don't draw similar conclusions. So some some people land on this was all about the destruction of the temple in when did it happen 72 70 AD 70 is when it happened yep. 70 AD the temple was in fact destroyed and there's an awful lot in here that seems to be talking about something in the future and so you just have to do your best to wrestle with it but but the most important thing isn't that you land on conclusively every detail or even pick a camp. Sometimes Christians fall into this weird, weird temptation of, I got to pick a camp. You don't have to pick a camp because the, the main takeaway from this text is the same, regardless of which way you think about it. So uh, let's keep going with observations. What else do you see in this text? 
Uh, one of the things that I put in here when I read verse 10, it says, Then he said to them, Nations will rise against nation uh, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. And I thought, like, a lot of people read that and they go like, oh, that's like definitely signs of the end times, right? Like, when we start to see these things, then we're heading towards the back of the book, quote unquote, right? And like, there's a lot of people that think of that. And I said, well, when you think about it, like, that's the that's been the present age in every single age. From like the time that Jesus first came till now, there have always been nations against nation and kingdoms against kingdom and famines and plagues and these fearful events that cause us to look at the world and go, what is happening even currently? Yeah. Right? Like that's where we are. So the present age has been that age. It's, it's just, it's, you can look at that and you can read that. Anybody who has ever read this can go, oh, the, is the end, is it coming? Because that's how it's always been. Yeah. There's, there's, something, there's something really funny that, uh, when Jesus mentions all of these things, like you read uh, verses eight through eleven or whatever, there, the things that get grab your attention are all the you know all the the, the crazy happenings, persecution and wars and all this stuff. But what Jesus actually tells us to do is usually the thing that people ignore. Like we almost do the exact opposite. He says, "Do not be frightened." And so people they they read this or they see things in the world and they think, "Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, how are we going to make it?" And then it says, "But the end will not come right away." It's almost it's almost like he's saying. Guys, like, like, get used to this. This is how it's going to be. You know, whenever, whenever things resolve, that'll be the end of this. But this is normal, and don't let this be the thing that throws you into kind of you know disequilibrium. You're not going to don't get off balance because you see these things happening. Don't be frightened. The end's not here. It'll come when it comes. Except we do the opposite. <laughs> we say, "Is this it?" And we try to line things up and say, "Oh, does this match up with that or whatever?" And yep. people go down a road that Jesus is explicitly saying, "Don't, don't go down that don't road." Do that. Yep. Did you know that there were a certain number of earthquakes in 2021, and that number increased by 500 earthquakes in 2022? Certainly, that means if I if I chart the frequency of earthquakes <laughs> and match it up with some number in the Bible, yeah, yeah. So the if you ever if you ever wondering end times like biblically speaking when are the end times the answer is right now yeah. we from from the crucifixion and the resurrection forward it's the end times yeah you will you'll sometimes come across new testament passages where where uh, paul or john or someone is writing to a group of christians in the first century and he says in these last days such and such, and he says something. And the assumption is, we all know this is the final age. Basically, it's it's like this. There's 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 no no more courses before dessert. Like it might take you a while to you know eat your meal. Like we don't you know we don't know exactly when it's scheduled to come. But this is the final course before dessert. So like there's only one thing left to happen, and it's Jesus coming back. And so like here's the we're at the end. This is the final act here. And so we can say that until. The end actually comes. These are the these are the end times. Right. So the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus marks the beginning of the last season. Yeah. So we are we are in the end times. All right. What else do you see? Um, I I was really struck by um, verse seventeen or uh, verse eighteen here. So um, Jesus describes a lot of really um, harsh persecution that's going to come on his followers. You know, people people being betrayed by loved ones. Uh, being you know brought before synagogues and kings and put on trial and all sorts of stuff, and then he says, then he says, not a hair on your head will perish. Like he he says, they'll put some of you to death, 
but not a hair on your head will perish. That is a really uh, striking contrast to say, to, to actually say we could be people that experience some of the greatest like opposition possible, including dying for our faith. And yet the real truth is not a hair from your head will perish. That is, that is a, a breath. I, I mean, okay. So it's Holy week, right? Like the thing we're about to celebrate on Sunday is the only thing that makes that possible that you could say that beyond death, there are none of our, not a hair on our head has perished because of, because there is something beyond death. That's, that's remarkable. They haven't seen that yet. So they've got to be like, how, what do you mean by this? Jesus, you know, the fullness of that hasn't dawned, but it's, it's truly a breathtaking statement. Death is life for the, for the Christian. Yeah. So just to read these verses again, since it was a while ago in the podcast, since we read them that, that Clayton is referring to, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. And and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. I love, there's a particular moment in worship services, not every worship service, but whenever you're singing a song about the resurrection, there is this, it's not planned, but there is this sense of enthusiasm where like there is this energy that starts rising up mm-hmm. in the room and you can feel it with all mm-hmm. the believers and none of us planned it and it was not coordinated, but there is this recognition and this enthusiasm about that reality that for, for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, death is not the end. In fact, it's the beginning of something better. And yeah. that is... I think that's why it starts to yeah starts to energize a worship and service. It's, it's not always just because of like, hey, the song builds at that point or whatever. When we do the Apostles' Creed, yeah, like people when we we, we talk about you know the death I of Jesus and then and he rose again from that. You see people raise their hands yeah. at that moment. Like we're saying, we're just saying the words. No music is moving them, but it's like there's something about this that this is our hope. This is our life. This is amazing. Yeah, really is. Uh, one thing that stood out to me was um, verse 14. He says, "But make up your mind." not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And it it starts out with this, but make up your mind. And it's like, it's it's this idea of like, if I know this is coming, then I have to kind of, again, it's that whole standing firm and, and having this faith and dependence that whatever comes at me, I, it's not me relying on my, my, uh, you know, like my, uh, my IQ, my, you know, the, all this knowledge that I have or all this smooth talking that I can do, but it's, it's having this faith and dependence that Jesus is going to give me what I need in that moment to resist or to do, or, or to say whatever it is that I need to say or do in that moment. Um, so make up your mind not to worry beforehand, uh, because he's going to do it all. Are you a smooth talker? Not really. <laughs> which is why i which is why that's which, very stands which, out to me i have i don't have to worry because i got jesus i i think the um the kind of contrast in uh verse 34 uh at the very end so jesus talks about what we are supposed to do and then he tells us what not to do at the end and you know he talks about uh, not having your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness the anxieties of life like there is a way of going about life that uh, checks out from what's really going on and what's really coming. And, and there, are, there are ways that we can kind of numb ourselves to the reality of our situation, whether, you know, whether it's some immediate, um, you know, uh, 
thing like we're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. These are, these are people who are going to think I might live through a catastrophe. Um, we often will like put out of our mind the fact that life is fragile and things happen. And we, we almost are, it says it'll close on you like a trap. Like we're, it's like, oh my gosh, we, I didn't see that coming. You know, I didn't, I didn't anticipate. I wasn't prepared for the hard times. Or if it's talking about the return of Christ, that you like, we act like, well, it's just going to keep going the way it's going, and there's never going to come a time where Jesus comes back and says, "This is right, this is wrong. Here's how it's going to go," and we we can lull ourselves into a complacent kind of posture of life um, if we if we don't fix our eyes on the reality of what's going on. Yeah, even that, like when I mentioned earlier, like there's a lot of watchfulness happening happening in here. Like the start of verse 34, be careful. Like that's just another way of saying like. Be aware, you know what I mean? Be watchful of what's happening. Okay, I'm going to put the ball on the tee right now for Clayton. Because <laughs> Clay- Clayton, you, not oh, Clayton. I have no idea what's happening. Clayton King, yes, you do. You know what's about to happen. So, or if you don't, you yeah, should know what's about to happen right. based on our conversation yes. prior to prior to recording this episode. So Clayton came into the podcast studio with a little bit of energy uh, about this, <laughs> about this text today. So I'm going to read a few verses here, Yes, which very much sound like they are specifically not talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the first century AD, but rather something that is going to happen in the future. Yeah. And I'm going to read these and then Clayton, I'm going to put the ball on the tee for you to talk about <laughs> this portion yes. of Luke. Uh, it appears in two other gospels yep. and there's some differences uh, and some of your, some of your related thoughts. Okay. So here, here are the verses. It says there will be, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken at that time. They will see the son of man, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Yeah. So, okay. Those are, those are, those are verses. Those are verses. Those are, those Those are verses. verses. Yes. These are verses. This is in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to say all the non-controversial things I can about (laughs) this. Um, So those verses sound very much on their own like they could be about the end of the world. And that's how many people take them. The second coming of Jesus. He's coming on the cloud. He's coming on the cloud. Um, There are... There are a couple of things here that make some people say, including me. So I'll I'll put my cards on the table. If I were going to pick a pick up an interpretation, I'd lean towards saying uh, these are referring to what happened in seventy A.D. rather than what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. But I could be wrong, and other people disagree. So I'll tell you why I think what I think. Um, the sun, moon, and stars stuff, all of that. Um, that language is used pretty regularly in the Old Testament. So, like if you read the prophets, it's it's kind of standard language for when different catastrophes happen. So that kind of language gets used to talk about when Babylon falls, talks when Jerusalem falls, when uh, Edom is attacked and so on. There are, there are different times where an ordinary battle or, I mean, it's not ordinary, that you're usually pretty catastrophic. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of definitive kind of thing, but it talks about it in terms of the sun, moon, and stars, signs in the heavens, that sort of thing. What's interesting is there are actually moments in the New Testament where that happens, so like if you read the book of Acts, um, which Luke also wrote, um, at, at Pentecost, when, um, when Peter is saying, you know what's happening here? Um, there, like when the, when the Holy Spirit comes on and he, he has this prophecy from Joel, it actually includes some of that language of 
signs in the heavens and so on. And he's saying, this is about today when something definitive, powerful, the, the, the like work of God showed up in a really new way, it had signs in the heavens and people could look up and say, well, no, that doesn't seem what's going on. But it was, it's the kind of like imagery and, and cultural like stock images to say, God is doing something definitive and even something that uh, exp- like, like is uh, pulling back the curtain and saying, here, I'm acting in judgment or in, or in, or in revelation. Okay. So, so I want to pause you there. Yes. Okay. So I've wound up the toy that is Clayton right now. Sorry. Bible geek uh, is, is like right here. But very, very much on purpose because there's a few things that have come out of this as he talks because he's, he's sharing very intelligent insights about this text. <laughs> Number one the cross reference links in a good study Bible are the kinds of things that help you. So let's say Clayton's talking right now and you're thinking, this sounds like crazy talk. Okay. Check his work, please use the cross reference links, bounce around. It's going to take you to some of these texts. The second thing I want to point out before uh, Clayton talks about the, the places and other gospels where this text occurs is apocalyptic literature. Yes. It's a genre apocalyptic writing. And if you go to biblesavvy.com, we have a place on our church's website where it talks to you about how different genres work, different literary styles. Apocalyptic literature is highly symbolic. You have to know that. When you read Revelation, when you read this, uh, some other places in in the Bible that are apocalyptic, there is a ton of symbolism. And that symbolism may be symbolizing something that's going to happen in the future, or it may be symbolizing something that is happening right now. It's not necessarily future oriented. It's just symbolic. So, all right, Clayton, continue on. Uh, There's actually a a great Bible project video called the day of the Lord, where they explore how this imagery gets used repeatedly over the course of Israel's history. And sometimes it refers to the very last day, but it refers to a lot of other days in between. So that's, it's worth checking out. Um, Second thing here, um, the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. So if you check the cross references, you are going to find that this is a reference to Daniel chapter seven. It's a very famous passage in the Old Testament, very important. Jesus quotes it constantly, calls himself the son of man a lot. It comes from that passage. Well, that's a passage describing the son of man, this this human figure ascending on a cloud. And it says he's coming on the clouds, but he's not coming to the earth. He's coming to heaven where God is seated. So there are uh, in the New Testament, like it gets used in a couple of different ways. Sometimes the son of man is coming to his throne, which is in heaven. And sometimes he's coming to his throne, which is now returning to earth. So there are times when it refers to the second coming, times when it refers to the ascension and times when it just refers to the fact that, that Jesus is the king on the throne and he gets to like call the shots over the, the coming and going of nations. So it is a, it is, a, there's more options on that one. And so people would say, this, this might be a reference more to the ascension or the, the rule of Jesus right now. So that's one where it's a little tricky to understand. The cross references help some. Here's the third thing. And then, and then Eric, you can take this it back awesome this, okay? Because I'm the comma guy today, but I've put it all on Clayton. <laughs> so here's, here's, here's the part that helps clarify some of this. If you look at the three places in the gospels where this speech happens, you know that in, 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 in different gospels, you have uh, the same events, same speeches, but often they'll emphasize different things. They'll include different details, leave some things out that others didn't. In Mark and in Luke, the disciples say to Jesus, tell us when the, de- the temple is going to be destroyed. And we, as people in the future, know the answer to that question is 70 AD. 
So Jesus answers that question and we can look at that. If we only had Mark and Luke, we would say he must be talking about 70 AD. But in Matthew, there's an additional question included that the disciples asked. They say, tell us when the temple is going to be destroyed. And then they say, and also tell us when the sign of your, your return is, when the sign of your coming is, and the end of the age. So they, they explicitly include the end question. If you read Matthew and you follow the speech there, and you follow it as long as, okay, tracking with Mark and Luke, tracking with Mark and Luke, tracking with Mark and Luke, it gets to that statement. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. That's where Mark and Luke kind of wrap it up. Matthew says, but about that day, you, no one knows the day or the hour or whatever. And Jesus goes on to talk about how to be ready for his return. And so in my reading of things, and again, p- scholars debate this, it is complicated. I think Mark and Luke include all the stuff that's talking about the temple. Matthew includes the temple stuff and the return of Jesus stuff. And so when we, when we don't distinguish between the three gospels, you end up with a heading that says, oh, this is also about the end times, not just the temple. Because in another place, it does include the end times. Mm. But again, that's just me and, you know, okay, not everybody. So in case someone is listening to this podcast, <laughs> like driving in their car or cooking in their kitchen right now, and they weren't carefully listening to what Clayton just said, I just want to go on record and make sure it's very clear that Clayton takes issue with the NIV study Bible's heading of this section that says the destruction <laughs> of the temple and the sign of the ends of the times. And, and granted, I'm not as smart as the guys who put the, the edited the NIV. So uh, you think they could be more right. That's it's probably true. No, <laughs> you're a pretty smart guy. That's Are you smart, smart. As, the, as scholars, the team of biblical scholars that put together the NIV <laughs> study Unlikely. Bible? Unlikely. Okay. Uh, all right, so let, let me try to land this plane because this is one of the episodes that could just go on for hours. Jesus talked about the destruction of the temple that was going to happen in the near future and that temple was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And while you could debate whether or not this Luke text is always ta- also talking about the second coming of Jesus, it is very specifically talked about in the gospel of Matthew and other places in the scriptures, Jesus is coming back. So now we're going to move on to the first M and the comma method. We always say the M's are interchangeable between message and meditation. I want to do meditation today. The reality that Jesus is coming back, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the son of man. Let's take 45 seconds to prayerfully think about that text.
Okay, so we move on to the second M in the comma method, which today is message. So what message do we want to draw out of this text today? Part of me wants to say <laughs> the message is sometimes the Bible is confusing. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, 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 I say that a little bit jokingly. I think there are times it's always worth acknowledging when you get to a passage that throws you for a loop, um, it, it's worth saying, hey, God, I, you're bigger than me. And the things that you have are, are things I want to understand. So give me wisdom for that. But I know there's always more to learn and figure out. And I'm, I, I don't have it all figured out. So that's one thing. Uh, for real, the message that I would say is, uh, is based off that um, verse about not a hair on your head will perish. The worst the world can do cannot threaten a hair on my head. I think that that's really reassuring. I feel like that is a, a wonderful message for for Holy Week um, and and from this passage. The worst the world can do. I mean, you see that with what Jesus goes through. Just just a few days after this speech, is the very worst the world can do. And if he rose from the dead, it means that for all of his people, whatever the worst the world does to us, they've already done it to Jesus, and we already know where that goes which means we know where it'll go for us. Like we've got life on the other side of that. That's that's huge, huge confidence for me. Uh, for me, uh, I kind of latched on to uh, some of these phrases that talks about like the fulfillment of things. Um, and my message is that God's word, both past, present, and future are faithful and true. They have and will continue to be fulfilled. So in whatever way you look at it, this passage, the one thing that, is unquestionable is that there have been things that he has said that has happened that has happened there's been fulfillment fulfillment and then there are things that will continue to happen that will continue to bring about the fulfillment of the end of the age for me the message is jesus's coaching in our lives isn't about us knowing it's about us doing Jesus didn't tell the disciples all this stuff that was mm-hmm. going to happen, the mm-hmm. temple being destroyed and mm-hmm. kingdoms being, he, he didn't give them all those details just because he wanted them to know it. There was something in he wanted, there was, well, I'm, I am not a smooth talker today <laughs> either, <laughs> Nikki. Wow. And they put microphones in front of our faces. Jesus told them these things because he wanted them to do something, mm-hmm. right? And so do not be frightened. These things will happen, but then the end will come. Be careful. Like yeah. he is coaching us towards a way of living, yep. not just giving us information to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we move on to application. What is our application of this text today? Um, I, for my application in terms of that, like what the worst the world can do to us, like it, it, it can't harm a hair on our head. Um, it, it, it comes down to some really small things. There are moments where I chicken out because I'm afraid of the reaction. So I, I'm thinking of a time recently where I, I had a chance to pray for someone. It was a conversation where it was really natural, where I could have, they weren't a believer. And I, I could have said, hey, could I pray about that for you? Like I could have done that. And it wouldn't, it actually probably wouldn't have been that awkward. But in my own head, I thought, oh, they're going to think this is weird. They're going to think this is weird. And I, and I chickened out. Now, oftentimes I'll do that. But in this case, it was like one of those things. When I read a passage like this and I say, I could actually be facing a lot worse. And it still wouldn't affect the long run how things turn out for me. Um, it makes me say, you know, what? I, I got to be a little more gutsy in those moments. Um, not just the simple things like praying for people, but opening my mouth at times when it's going to actually cost me for something. Um, for me, my application was to take a posture of awe and thankfulness and watchfulness and readiness. And just kind of like what you were saying too, is just latching onto those words of like, 
you know, standing firm and being careful and being watchful. Um, it's a just take a posture of, of watchfulness. For me, the application in the category of Jesus coaching us, not just to know, but to do, I'm looking at the verse that says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. There is an option being placed in front of us. You can do one of two things. You can either live a life that is careful in light of all of the things that Jesus has taught us, or option B, which is other things will creep in because you're going to be you're going to be looking to fill your life with things. And so carousing or drunkenness um, or just the anxieties, the everyday anxieties of life. So you can have careful living in, in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back or other stuff is going to take over. That's good. Well, friends, that is all that we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. You can join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along, you can go to BibleSavvy.com to get the reading plan and to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.